Everything technology, from computers to mobile phones, TVs and the internet. Information you want, want. all the help you need. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. And a very good morning to you. Afternoon, good evening. Whatever time of day it is to you, it is morning to me, but it's actually overnight for you because I'm recording from Las Vegas, live from Las Vegas, episode 346 uh, from CES 2017, and it's great to have your company here doing the show as always. Thanks to the good people at Garmin, Satellite Navigation, GPS Technology, and Alcatel, a uh, huge and great range of mobile phones. Uh, seen a few of those here, plus there's a bit of news from them. Um, We'll talk about that on the shows. What I plan to do here is bring you two podcasts. I'm I'm, I'm going to record them together. I'm going to put them out together, but I'm going to separate them so that you have the opportunity to listen to them in a normal format because I think if I do it all in one go, I'd probably be here for two hours. So try and give you a couple of half-hour, 40-minute programs with some great interviews of people I've caught up with this week here in Las Vegas. So lots to talk about from Las Vegas here. Now, it's been a great... Uh, week or more. <laughs> I think this is our ninth day, in fact, on the ground. Um, but it's only day four of the show. Then there was two pre-show days. And um, yeah, there's just been a lot going on uh, as the part of the overall CES journey. Uh, on this uh, episode of Your Tech Life, we'll call it 346A. Um, and then there'll be a B as well. Um, we'll talk to LG about their stunning uh, show-stealing product, the OLED Signature W. I talked to Telstra CEO Andy Penn, who popped into the studio here with me uh, to chat about what Telstra is doing here, why Telstra CEO and executives are here at CES. Um, some interesting things to learn from him, including how drones could help find missing people. Uh, and we'll catch up with the good folk at uh, Netgear, as we do each and every year at this time. Um, Patrick Lowe, their CEO, founder, and, as, and David Henry, who runs their uh, networking business, um, some really great products coming out of Netgear this year. So all of that ahead here on Your Tech Life. Now, before I talk to Angus from uh, LG, I, I, I mean, it's now the fourth day and I've seen a lot of the reporting and I've seen a lot of the show floor. And I really can't go past the LG Signature OLED uh, WTV as the showstopper. It's the winner. It's the best of the best and in fact we've awarded it the EFTM best of the best uh, plaque and I think that's because it is potentially a revolution in televisions now I know OLED is is or has always been thin I know it is um, quite quite likely if not absolutely the best TV technology in terms of deep blacks and high contrast colors um, no it's not the brightest colors because there are better uh, technologies like quantum dot that can do that but it's the it's the blacks that give you the give you the win um i just think that when you look around the show you can't go past it and the thing is um i'm not sure anyone else is going to do it in the next short while but just forget the fact that this tv is 2.57 millimeters per minute think about the fact that they separated the screen from the brains so if you haven't seen this heard this or had any uh, interaction with this um apologies to those who have i'll just explain it this is 2.57 millimeters thick it sticks up on the on the wall, and it's just the physical screen. And then there's a cable that runs down to what is a big sound bar that delivers beautiful sound. But it's also where the guts of the TV is, the TV tuner, the HDMI's, all that kind of thing. So I wondered, you know, think about 
you know, a Samsung panel, a Hisense panel, or whatever. If you took the the the, the LEDs and the the lighting, as in the backlight or the edge light, how thin is it? How thin is their TV without the brains of the TV, without all the guts? And now take all that guts away. I I mean, I know it won't get down to 2.57 millimetres or 4 millimetres when hung on the wall, but it could still be potentially a huge difference in what we have on the wall. Now, I've mounted recently a new Samsung on the wall at home, and they have a... Uh, a cable technology that has a single cable running from the TV to a splitter box that could be is in my entertainment unit where all the HDMI's, the TV tuner, everything goes. That's the start of that process, so you don't need to run six cables through the wall. But why not bring more down? Why not bring? Uh, why not put a little set-top box uh, in my entertainment unit, which is the guts of the TV, and then thin down your television? I think that's the trend that LG has set here. So. Um, that is that. That's what I think about that TV. That's where I think it will go. Um, but we'll we'll obviously have to wait and see what others do with that technology. But um, I will talk uh, after this to LG's uh, head of marketing, general manager of marketing, and we'll hear what he has to say about the uh, the big wigs and the big wins at uh, CES 2017. <laughs> We're live at CES in the uh, LG stand with the uh, general manager of marketing for LG Australia, Angus Jones. How are you, Angus? Oh, life's good, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'll pay you, that. You can hardly move in this place. We've got so many people coming through. It's no, amazing. That's right. And that's one of the great things about CES. And, and just to paint the picture here, the, thing, the products we're going to talk about, the, I mean, it's great that there's media here looking at them, yeah. but the point here is for Harvey Norman, JB Hi-Fi, the big guys, yeah. all these companies, to be here looking at your product to make decisions exactly about right. what they're going to put in store this year. Yeah. And Australians have got no idea. There's 150,000 delegates here. Yeah. You can imagine 150,000, two times the Olympic Stadium of people at yeah. this show. Rightio. So you've got a lot here. We can't talk about it all no. in, in one chat, but let's, let's work on the highlights. I think we have to start with the big mother of them all which is your wallpaper tv well, that's the one we finished with in the press conference so yeah. let's <laughs> let's start with it here okay so imagine a television that's 2.57 millimeters thick it's hard to imagine I, I think people need to maybe get two credit cards to put them together or something and that's probably too thick pretty much yeah yeah, yeah. so in in fairness this television to put it on any flat surface we've got to put essentially a sheet of metal down and we put that sheet of metal down and that's magnetic and the TV sticks to it and that pumps it out to a grand total of four millimetres thin and so it sits on the wall and people would imagine a wall mounted TV lots of people have got them and they they, they probably they sit off the wall by a centimetre with the mount and then then they're they're, they're a centimetre or more thick themselves think of that those TVs you're talking about they're going to cast a shadow yeah. This TV won't cast a shadow on the wall. Yeah. It's that thin. And we looked at one in a room here, and, and I mean, in the, when it's off, it just like someone hadn't painted that part of the wall. It looked black. So who's the market for a television that gets not hung on the wall but stuck to the wall? Essentially, that's what we're saying here because the, the brains of the TV is in a, in a larger unit that's like a sound bar we'll talk about in a sec, but there's a, there's a small ribbon of wire that can run behind the wall or even behind the paint, frankly. Look, this is, this, ultimately, this television is for people who don't want televisions in their lounge room because <laughs> it just becomes a piece of artwork. Yeah. So, you know, those people that go, oh, I'm not having a television in my lounge room. Well, this is one of the products for you've got a really nice set of stock photos that you can run on loop. Well, yeah, they could do that. They could do that. And so underneath it then, 
uh, wherever you choose to mount it, it might be on an entertainment yeah. unit, it might be on the wall, is yeah. um, is the, the brains of the TV, the bulk of the TV, yeah. the, the tuner and all those things, as well as a highly advanced set of speakers and, and okay. sound system, um, which is creating a, an immersive all-round experience. So you're getting surround sound from the TV that you buy. So you buy it out, out of the box, but you buy it, and it is the screen on the wall, it is the, the bar of sound, mm. it's the whole living room entertainment experience in one purchase. That's right. So think of, we call it the W, by the way. Think of it as a window. A wallpaper. Yep. Or window. Window, yeah. And there's a very thin ribbon cable that either goes through the back of your wall or if you were, say, mounting this on a sheet of glass, just runs down the, the front of the sheet of glass and we can make that look all attractive. Yep. And then there's all the intelligence in a box that sits below. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where all your electronics are, but it's also where your sound comes from. So that also provides Atmos, Dolby Vision Atmos sound. So this is where you get in one, essentially in one package, you're getting the complete vision package and you're also getting the audio package. Yeah. So it's all integrated and you get that surround sound experience all outside of one box. Watch a great new movie with all the right, um, the right quality in it. You get sound from behind you, above you, around you, all, yep. all in one place. And it's been announced in the US. We, we haven't. There's no Australian launch yet, but this is a product, but it will come to Australia. That's a critical Correct. thing. Often with these shows, uh, we see the flagship, the, the most amazing product is just to demonstrate your ability to do something. This is a real product. Uh, it, it is available in America and it will come to Australia it's for available sure. available tomorrow in the US yeah. and the Australian retailers will have this product. Anyone who's interested in this product can go to lg.com.au and register their interest now and we'll put them in touch with the Australian retailers if they want to be first cab off the rank. So then if you love sound, and a lot of people, maybe they bought a beautiful new LG TV, might have even bought an OLED two years ago. Yeah. Um, they love their TV, but they are wanting that better sound. And we talked about Atmos. This Correct. is sensational sound. Um, you've now got three different soundbars coming to market. Um, all have different levels of technology in them. Mm -hmm. the, the top end obviously mm -hmm. has the bee's knees and a subwoofer. And uh, without the need for rear speakers, you're getting rear speaker sound. But I have to say, I'm going to go to the, the entry level. I don't know what you would call it that, but I think it's called the SJ7, which is a sound bar that, that can basically be in two halves. So you can mount it on either side of the TV. It could be a sound bar in front of you, or one part could be in front, one part could be behind. It's a very versatile unit for one purchase. Yeah, look, fantastic product. So th people th think of it as a, a sound bar that you would normally put in front of your television, but it splits in half. So you can have it just as we normally do. You could take the two parts, you could put them vertically on left and right. So there's people who really want that differentiation and right, left and right, sorry. But alternatively, the one of the units has batteries in it. So you can switch it'll switch on the back, put it at the back of your room, the remaining speaker will give you a left and a right, and then you've also got the rear speaker at the back. Yeah. So it's a really great way of giving you that immersive experience with a simple solution. And by the way, you can actually use it as a Bluetooth device. You've got people around, around not house watching house a movie, you can put it out in the out kitchen of, and play music. Out of the barbecue table with you. Now, um, the other thing I want to talk about is the fridges. Um, you've had some cool fridge technology over the last few years, but and we saw early this year another company launch a TV that had a touch screen on uh, a fridge that had a touch screen on the front, allows you to do a whole bunch of things. You've You've got that technology, but it goes a step further because you've got some, some fridges that you can see through. The, the door, you tap on it, there's glass, I can see what's in it. 
Then you've got the one that has uh, the touchscreen interface running Windows or your own web OS, so you've got you know, smart applications. You've got that TV can be either a high-tech um, touchscreen, mm -hmm. it can be black, or you tap on it and get glass. So yep. it's a pretty diverse range of options. You know, this is obviously a high-end fridge. Yep. Pretty cool technology, though. They look very cool. And just so the listeners at home get a better understanding of this, think of a black-looking fridge, and you go to the right-hand side of the fridge and you double tap it and essentially a window, a 29 inch window goes clear and you can see what's inside the fridge. We're out of milk. But then also it's a tablet. So it's a 29 inch tablet. So think about being able to order stuff from the supermarket. What's the weather today? Um, it's, it, to be honest, it's not a product that we're going to see very quickly in Australia yep. because it's based on the Alexa Amazon solution. Yep. But um, when you incorporate when you've incorporated that in your kitchen you can actually talk to it as well so you can you can talk to it it'll control other devices in your house you can order stuff off the Amazon websites. Really cool technology. Really George Jetson technology already available for us. Now, if you had to look back on 2016, um, I think it was a pretty good year for LG. Oh, fantastic year. Fantastic year. You know, the, the OLED televisions just went, went berserk. You know, our washing machines continue to be on top. And, you know, the fridge range, you know, people looking at the, you know, the design of our fridges and they're going, you know, I'm spending a lot of money in my kitchen. I want a fridge that looks yeah. great in there as well. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, some of the features on there you know as far as shelving and all that sort of stuff people are loving it so the show hasn't opened here at CES you're this is all about 2017 you get you'd have a finger on the pulse with the buyers at the Harveys of the world and things but you haven't had a chance to sneak into any of your competitors do you already have a gut feeling that 2017 is going to be even better because of the products that you're talking about here today we believe so I mean you know the wallpaper TV we announced that about uh, four or five hours ago the, the worldwide media has just gone ballistic yeah. about it um, you know, it's hard because, because, and I've said this over the last few days. It's hard to find a cool TV announcement anymore, other than it's bigger, it's got better pixels. You know, they're hard things to describe to people, um, and you know that you're in marketing. Um, but so the wallpaper TV is so unique that it will get a lot of attention. Now it'll get a lot of attention. Uh, it'll sell well, but it's not going to be the best-selling TV on the market. It really is about the brand, isn't it? So that people are drawn to the brand for washing machines, for robot vacuums, for whatever they're looking for. Look, it is about the brand, and it's all about reassuring customers that they're buying quality product. They're buying a product that is going to be good in their homes. It's going to be useful. It's going to make their lives better. But also that you're buying a product from a company that you know is at the forefront of the technology. So one of the things that we also announced this morning is some robots. So we have uh, some robots. I thought you'd say that in your life, did you? No, I didn't think <laughs> I would say that. Uh, so we've got robots that will clean in airports. We've got robots that will help you get to the right gate in airports. We've got robots for the home, which is you know you can use to vacuum your house. You can use to mow your lawn, and indeed you can talk to them. To uh, you know, just as we were talking about talking to the fridge, there's a separate robot that will sit in your kitchen. Well, it has a little face on it, so it you know, smiles at you. It'll address you by name, so it'll differentiate between different household house members, and you can talk to it. So we, you know, we really are at that... This uh, is Jetsons. It is, it is. It's crazy. Oh, it's a very, it's an impressive booth, impressive range of products. I do love the TV. Yeah, anyone that sees it will be impressed, and I can't wait actually to see how this is presented in a retail environment, because... You remember the OLED challenge, people walk in and they see an OLED TV versus a standard TV, which was an LG TV. To be able to see a television that from the side is almost invisible, stunning. Uh, good luck with the show, Angus. Thank and, you so much. Uh, good luck with 2017. Thanks. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. And we do it all thanks to the good people at Garmin, Garmin Satellite Navigation, GPS technology, and uh, certainly 
Um, I, I was catching up with some of my uh, my family, my brother and his his daughters, uh, and I noticed one of them had a had a forerunner. They'd uh, they'd gone hard and got themselves a, a forerunner uh, Garmin for Christmas, and I'm pretty sure there's others that got such a device because the forerunner series of uh, of watches, smart watches, uh, fitness tracking watches from Garmin uh, are fantastic products. They allow you to track your fitness, track your steps, but do a whole lot more. For example, the Forerunner 35 is an easy-to-use GPS running watch with wrist-based heart rate. Monitors your heart rate on the wrist all day and all night uh, using Garmin Elevate wrist heart rate technology. Uh, Built-in GPS tracks how far and how fast you and where you run. There's connected features like smart notifications, automatic uploads to Garmin Connect, and live tracking and music controls. All-day activity tracking counts your steps, calories, intensity, minutes, and reminds you when to move. And it automatically uploads all, uploads all that data so you can uh, track your progress and compare your progress in the cloud at Garmin Connect. The Forerunner 35, uh, a nice-looking new smart watch from Garmin, around $299 you, uh, Australian. You can check that out at your leading retailers and at garmin.com.au. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, your tech, tech life with Trevor Long. I think the um, I should explain. Uh, you know what I'm trying to do here with your tech life at CS is not duplicate what we've done on Two Blokes Talking Tech. We covered a lot of the fun and cool gadgets there, so I encourage you to download and listen to Two Blokes Talking Tech. Stephen and I did four programs from uh, CES. Uh, they're all available now for you to listen to, and we run through all the different things that that have been launched here at CES. Um, and of course, uh, you could spend many hours reading all the articles at EFTM. .com.au. A massive shout out to the team that, that, that came with me, uh, Chris Bowen, who reported on some automotive innovations and press conferences, Doug McDougall, uh, likewise, as well as some great gadgets. Nick Healy did some some of the big press conferences and found some nifty things around. Uh, Jeff Quattromani, though, has been an absolute workhorse, and there's uh, a countless number of articles on EFTM.com.au. You could uh, sit there and flick through for days. Uh, bring yourself up to speed on the latest and greatest in technology. So it's all there at EFTM. Plus, I will say uh, we've had a bit of fun. Uh, we tried to let our hair down before we got here in the journey, um, and uh, we've captured all of that plus the behind the scenes of CES because this is a big show and you might not appreciate what it looks like, uh, what goes on, and all those things are covered in our daily videos. They are also at EFTM.com.au and, of course, on our Facebook page, Facebook page. Uh, facebook.com forward slash EFTM online. We appreciate your little like slash thumbs up there. Uh, after this, we'll hear from um, Telstra CEO Andy Penn. Well, when I think about CS, I think big brands. I think Samsung, I think LG, I think Panasonic, I think Hisense. People always ask me about Apple. Is Apple there when I'm doing radio interviews? I've got to be honest, I've never been asked about Telstra. Andy Penn, CEO of Telstra, is in the studio with me. Welcome. Uh, thanks very much, Trevor, and Happy New Year to you. And Happy New Year to you. I, I have to start by a quick look back at 2016. Uh, no doubt the company overall did very well and is continuing to do well, but it was a challenging year nonetheless, uh, uncharacteristic outages. Have you bounced back from that and ready to hit 2017 head on? Well, I think what the uh, outages basically showed us is just how important connectivity is today for all of our That's customers, true. and we've just become so dependent on our devices, and um, uh, I'm very much confident that we're in a really good position with the network. We've done all the remediation work, we're committed to invest more money, and we're committed to continue to have the best networks in Australia. But, um, you know, if you just come somewhere like CS and you see the amount of technology innovation, that need for connectivity is only going to grow in the future. Do you, can I make a huge assumption and assume that you're here 
with the team of Telstra execs, I'm assuming, to, to kind of let the media and the market know that Telstra is much more than just a telco. You're a tech company. Is that where you want to be positioned? Well, we, we want to be a world-class technology company that empowers people to connect. And, and the point is, is that if you think about what people use their telecommunication services for today, whether it's at home, the fixed line or fixed internet, or whether it's mobile, mobile mm. device, it is very different to what we used it for 10 or 15 years yeah. ago. And that's where the technology comes in because of all of the applications and services we're using today. So you made announcements uh, early in 2016 or mid-2016 about smart home. You've got, you've got a range of smart home technologies now. Is that a focus? Because there's a lot of IoT and smart home here at CES in different parts of CES. Has that been a, a focus or a large part of your trip? Uh, smart home, yes, definitely. We're uh, looking at some of the stuff that's happening in autonomous driving and connected cars. We've got a big partnership with Tesla where we uh, basically connect all of their vehicles in media. But again, it's just fundamentally thinking about it from the perspective of how are people using the internet today what are they connecting to and for what purpose Hmm. and we need to be really across that from a technology point of view so they get the best experience on the Telstra network. So what have you seen here at CES that uh, I don't know lights the eyes up because obviously when the CEO sees it likes it It's more likely to happen than anyone else in the company. So what have you seen that's, uh, that's taken your interest? Well, I think virtual reality is a good example, particularly for us as Australians. We love our sport. Yep. Virtual reality is really changing the media experience. Um, if you go over to the Ericsson stand, they're doing a cool thing with Intel where you can literally have a virtual reality headset and be immersed in a game watch yep. it and feel as if you were there at the stadium when, in fact, the stadium may be it's, 100 kilometres away. the other side of the world? Or? It, 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 exactly. And to bring that back to Telstra, for the, in the standard view of, of Telstra, the, the consumer's mind, the network is critical there. And I remember seeing this at Mobile World Congress. And, and just to go back to why you're at CES, Mobile World Congress is a more likely place to come across Andy Penn because that's where, I mean, no, mobile towers are, are being shown off, mobile devices. This is a little bit more uh, front-end consumer stuff. But everything I saw at Mobile World Congress, and again here now with VR, says it's great, but we need bigger pipes. Yep. Uh, and the bigger pipe has to be to the handset because we're using our handsets now. So that that leads into the future, doesn't it? That leads to 5G, and that leads to the huge bandwidth that we're going to see in the future. Absolutely, and 5G is critically important because if you come around CES, which is a massive convention, uh, there is virtually no technology innovation that is happening out there on the floor in any of these stands that doesn't fundamentally rely on being connected, That's right. and that relies on com- telecommunications. And, and 5G is going to be the platform of the future that provides the next step up in the capability of the network to be able to bring all of this innovation to life. So 5G, um, you did tr- every, every network did trials this year, looking at the basics of it, and, and you know trying to fundamentally prove what can be done, and also start the conversation. It's a difficult one because you don't want to overstep it with consumers because it's not here yet and it's some years away surely um, is is there an understanding for, about that globally because my biggest problem with 4G is there's different names there's different speeds you come to America and I've got to be honest I find the American mobile networks completely and utterly disappointing um, their speeds aren't that phenomenal whereas they think it's amazing you come to Australia and connect to Telstra Optus or Vodafone the, the speeds are amazing compared to America well certainly the networks in Australia are amongst the best if not the best in the world and we're proud to have the best one of those in Australia of course Um, and so yeah when you do travel internationally you just realise actually how good uh, we have it at home but what's really important is that we continue to invest and actually make sure that continues to be the case because 
as media and as all of these developments change, uh, the networks are becoming under more and more pressure. We're seeing data traffic grow by more than 60% per annum on our networks. So with those Internet of Things um, connections, uh, the Tesla car is probably at the at the medium end of the data spectrum, but there's there's going to be everything from, well, there'll be bloody water bottles that'll be connected in the future telling you how much is left. But there is everything connected. I was standing on the Today Show this morning. I had an umbrella. I had a fridge camera and a, and a pair of glasses. These things are all connected in some way. Those things won't require 5G. So in the future, will that be where the, the 3G and 4, 4G networks get utilised because these smaller devices can use the lower uh, lower traffic and then our big virtual reality and high-consumption uh, media devices are using the 5G network? Do you think it'll split that way? No, uh, no actually, 5G is likely to solve for both. Everything. And that's what's uh, relatively complex about 5G because on the one hand, it's trying to solve for a solution, as you say, because of more media, more data, more bandwidth for things like virtual reality and uh, 4K mm. sort of viewing. Yep. On the other hand, it's trying to solve for billions and billions and billions of devices that are connected which may not be using a lot of data or necessarily transmitting. And, of course, another dynamic as well is the latency, which is basically the speed of the network. Yep. And that becomes critically important when you've got sensors in things like uh, racing cars. So yep. at Formula One, all of that sensors that are in the engine, which are testing the temperature and the tyre pressure and the speed, which is all getting programmed and fed back to the pits. I feel a trip to Melbourne coming on, people. <laughs> that, that's got to be really low latency so yeah. that you can actually get the uh, interactivity. And of course, in use of drones as well, another, yeah. another area where this is critically important. Which was a fun one this year. I, I, I actually think one of the coolest things you did this year was demonstrate how you're utilizing drones to not save manpower but just save time at uh, a transmission site uh, inspections you can send a drone up have a good look around and go yeah we do need to go up there now we'll get the scissor lift up why bother getting the ladder and the scissor lift up every single time when you can send a drone up um, does drones become another one of those areas where telstra needs to be um, fast reacting because obviously it's a, it's a big space already but it's still going to grow it's not quite Internet of Things, but we are going to see more drones. I mean, Domino's, for example, that is a crazy, crazy company. Don May is clearly insane, but a genius. He literally wants to be delivering pizzas by a drone. Now, they can't just be using traditional drones. They need connectivity. Is this, are these all opportunities for companies like Telstra? Absolutely. We already have 12 qualified drone pilots on the payroll at Telstra as part of the team doing yeah. the sort of things that you're talking about. Wow. Another use case is surveillance in, you know, again, an Australian issue, floods, fires, yeah. cyclones. So in an emergency area, we can send a drone in for both surveillance reasons. We can also actually attach uh, a mobile connectivity cell to it where mm. to provide cover where there wasn't previously cover. Like we a, can, a, cell, a cell dangling from a drone, basically. Effectively, and then we can actually identify people who may be lost um, if their oh, mobile device the mobile is still on. It's sending cell, a signal. We can we can pick that up. Another that's a whole new um, way of finding uh, missing individuals. Ab- absolutely, absolutely. Wow. An- another use case we have right now. We're doing a really cool uh, trial with Little Ripper around beach safety. Yes. Again, it's yep. been a big issue in Australia over the summer with lots of drownings, which is absolutely tragic, and yep. of course lots of sharks and shark attacks and shark sightings. So yep. drones can be used for surveillance yep. along the beach. Uh, and also for dropping uh, emergency packs and survival kits into the water if somebody's in distress with a flotation device, an electronic shark repellent. So so many use cases, but they... 
the connectivity is critically important. That's where our whole mobile network can play a big role. Now, I've spoken to a lot of people at CES from, um, you know, the companies themselves like LG and Hisense to, uh, you know, small Aussie startups. I just had uh, new Hera, the, the headphones in here a moment ago. I've spoken to distributors. It's interesting to find out why everyone's here. And I wonder, and I don't know, you're a listed company, all that stuff. I'm not across, but what can you say? But does the CEO of Telstra walk around here thinking that's a possible acquisition target for us because that's such an innovative, especially Aussie company, if you see companies that are doing great things and frankly could do with a massive leg up as opposed to just, you know, three years of incubating their way through the process. Is, is that another reason to be at CES, to find potential acquisitions? Well, certainly uh, in the startup space, that's absolutely a, a critical area. And mm. yes, we do come across opportunities. And one of the reasons is, of course, we all know the successful startups, the Googles and the Facebooks yeah. and the Airbnbs and Ubers that go on to be really big companies in their own rights. But a lot of startups actually are around pieces of technology innovation, which yeah. frankly for the startup it's actually quite hard on its own to monetize or to create a commercial outcome out of a piece for, of yeah. innovation. But actually if you then piece it into a service that we may be providing or another technology company mm. may be providing. That's where a lot of the successful startups actually get acquired and why they get acquired. Yeah, well, it's exciting times. I, I don't know. Have you been to CES many times before? I've been to CES a few times, yes. So, I sure. mean, it's, it, it continues to grow as, as best I can see. Uh, it's impossible to see it all because it's spread so far across the strip and I'm sure that's why you need to bring people to go to different areas. But um, it'll be more interesting to see what 2017 holds in terms of the outcomes from CES from you. It's lovely seeing you, lovely catching up and thanks for the chat. Thanks very much, Trevor, and uh, best for 2017 to you and your listeners. Thank you. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. We are at CES Live. Thanks to the good people at Garmin and Alcatel. Alcatel's Pixie First, uh, the black edition, is available at Big W's $99 smartphone. This is a quad-core CPU, uh, which means your apps are loading fast for multitasking easier, and you can even do mobile gaming. It's got 3G internet, and your downloads are going to be ready in a flash there. This is a great, simple smartphone. Uh, five megapixel camera um, and a front selfie camera too, uh, and of course there's uh, two SIM cards. Um, it's a, it's a great little uh, two SIM card slots, I should say, as well as an SD slot for ninety nine dollars. This is a great entry level phone for someone who doesn't need all the bells and whistles uh, of a thousand dollar phone, but just needs to keep in touch and loves flicking through Facebook or reading emails or. Posting photos on Instagram, $99. The Alcatel Pixie First, just one of many phones from Alcatel, and you can find them online. Just search Alcatel, um, and I'll bring you some news from Alcatel shortly too. I, um, I think the, um, the great thing about uh, Alcatel is that they're not holding back. That was the ad before, but this is the bit about CES. So here at CES, they announced something I heard a month ago, which is that BlackBerry is now an Alcatel brand. So what's happened is BlackBerry, the company, no longer make phones. They nailed it with security software. They nailed it with great phones, but they just couldn't make it in the market. So they stopped making phones. They're actually kind of making some serious car parts and uh, uh, autonomous driving technology. So that's where they're going now as a company. But what happened to the BlackBerry brand? There was some real loyal loyalty there to that brand well they um they've licensed or sold licensed the brand to out to tcl who own alcatel and alcatel will now be making blackberry smartphones now i saw a touchscreen smartphone which is basically the idle four with blackberry logos and blackberry software but i also got to and this is on eftm.com.au if you want to have a look uh and on our facebook page i got to see the um keyboard uh mock-up 
So they've made a prototype of a brand new keyboard phone. It's uh, it's quite a nice design. It's a very different looking smartphone. It's not just any other smartphone, which is great. Brings back the keyboard, people that loved it. And uh, it's going to be announced formally in terms of specs and all those different things in March at uh, or early March at Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. So hopefully I'll be there and we can get a good hands-on look at that. But honestly, um, I think they'll do okay. I'm not, it's not going to beat the iPhone or Samsung, but I think they'll do very well because of the loyalty to BlackBerry and because it will run Android. So it's a much more um, easy to understand and utilize um, operating system, but with the benefit of a keyboard. So we'll see how that goes for them. Hopefully it's a raging success. But uh, Sam Scontos and the team here at Alcatel uh, Australia are going to set up a, a separate business and, and run the BlackBerry business in Australia for a, a different market to Alcatel. That's, that's the great thing. It's a completely separate um, user market. So they should do very well out of it. So, yes, BlackBerry, friends, is back. Now, every year I um, spend some time uh, over at the Netgear um, showcase here at CES 2017 and as always I tracked down and chatted to the CEO Patrick Lowe We are at CES and I feel like it's probably my fifth year in a row talking to boss, founder, CEO of uh, Netgear Patrick Lowe G'day Patrick, how are you mate? Great to be here, thank you And you continue to do what I always think is a little bit unthinkable because we, we kind of think, I always feel like we've hit a peak we've hit a you know a plateau in where we can go with whether it's design or features but there are always new technologies so there's new Wi-Fi technologies, there's new things that come out what's your pick so far this year of the things that you've got? We'll talk about a few but what's, what's your favourite? Well, I mean, absolutely this year's favourite on the Wi-Fi front is about mesh and then on the smart device front, it's about intelligence. You know, artificial intelligence, you know, machine learning. Well, let's talk about that because you made an acquisition recently, um, which is probably going to play really well under the Arlo space. So that you've, you've acquired a company that's very, very smart on what they can do with video technology. Absolutely. We believe that going forward, all the smart home devices has to have intelligence. So we're very pleased to add these group of engineers could really help us. For example, like uh, our baby cam, all right, which is the newest announcement that we made. Arlo baby. Yeah, Arlo baby. So we should be able to tell you when the baby cries, is it because the baby is hungry or the baby needs diaper change or the baby is looking for mom? All right, that's fantastic, right? And I think the other example I would I would hope to see, um, if I can throw something at you, is in you know think about my Arlo at the front door and how you know it's set to do certain things at certain times, set to do certain things when I'm there or not. But if it could recognise faces, it would know not to do certain things when it absolutely knows that person lives here, so I don't need any alerts or any recording. Right, absolutely. Not only that, I mean, ultimately, what we would like to do is one, we would know it is a person not a dog or cat, coming up to the door. Second, it's a person that is not part of the family. So it's yeah. not a family member. Yeah. Third, the person is, quote, unquote, a stranger, but with suspicious behavior. Right. We can tell you all that. <laughs> <laughs> so, how? I mean, you make an acquisition like that. How, how long is it going to take for that to be integrated? Because, obviously, every product has a cycle. Um, you know, Arlo's been a great little product. We'll talk about it in more detail in a minute. But, you know, do you expect that the next CES we're going to be talking about that stuff? Or is it further down the line or even closer? Much faster. We're now in the beta stage of distinguishing the um, difference between a, an animal, a human, or an automobile. 
that is being in beta right now. So and some of those things will be firmware too. They don't require new equipment. So it's possible that you better do some of that stuff with the existing or new or the newest equipment. Uh, no, it will all be a firmware upgrade. Yeah, well. Yeah, and a lot of the analysis is being done in the cloud. And certainly, as we roll out more and more powerful Arlo devices, yep. some initial analysis will be done at the edge on the yeah, device yeah, yeah. before the cloud takes yeah, over. So you put some into the device, the rest into the cloud. You've got all my videos, so you may as well look at them for right, me, right? Right, right, right? So let's talk about the Arlo range. Um, I've got five Arlo's around the home. Uh, the Arlo Q sits in the office because it's powered, and I can see what's happening in my office. If the kids go in there, there's drama. Um, but you know, the house is covered, and I feel. No, it's 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 a good thing to say. I feel safe. I'm away from home. My wife's there on her own. I feel safe that I've got that. Um, you've stepped it up a bit. So Arlo Pro offers a few things that that I think must have come directly from consumers, if not your own experiences. You know, the battery for a start. You know, having a rechargeable battery is a big deal. People are spending money on batteries, not a lot because they're every six months or so. But these are these incremental improvements feel like they're very uh, community based. The the Arlo community has helped generate those changes. Yes, basically, you know the biggest desire from our Arlo install base is one, rechargeable battery, yeah. for and f first and foremost. Yeah. Second one is that they would like to have significantly faster motion detection yeah. and it's much more sensitive because traditionally our motion detection is horizontal. Right. There is no vertical. Okay. Secondly, the, the latency is about two, three hundred milliseconds. So now with this new Arlo Pro that we have rechargeable battery. Um, the motion detection is now 360 degrees instead of just horizontal. Third, the latency has been reduced from 200 milliseconds down to a millisecond. Wow. Level. Yeah. And then on top of that, we actually gave them something even more, which is the two-way audio and the siren, which is a surprise to them. So that's why the, the reception in the U.S. of Allo Pro is just phenomenal. With the Arlo Go, now the Go is a much bigger camera, but it has built-in uh, LTE, or in our case, 4G connection, onboard storage, but you've got the, you've got solar panels you can charge it with. So I could sit on a construction site for two years. Do you imagine a product like that two years ago? Because um, I, I remember seeing Arlo for the first time. In fact, I think it was probably three years ago when you, when you bought View, what was it called, ViewZone? Um, and we had a little cupboard just in this room here where you went into it and it was dark. And I just don't imagine that anyone foresaw a product like that. But it's, it's such a connected world now that we have products that can sit on a building site and record uh, motion detection continuously and upload to the cloud via a 4G network. It's staggering. Well, basically, the, the Arlo Go idea was actually initiated from uh, some local city governments. Uh, you know, in the U.S., we have a lot of problems with graffitis, you know, and, you know, other, you know, trespassing. So city government has been approaching us, say, could we have, you know, a camera that would be on, you know, and detect motion anytime that is in a remote area that we would not like to deploy our own policemen, and it will work, you know, from no Wi-Fi environment. Yeah. So that came the Arlo Go, which is an LTE-based with a solar panel, you know, that charge it, that would monitor, you know, on a remote area. But once we got the product, we actually tested it among our install base. And what we got the feedback from our install base of Arlo was, my gosh, this is exactly what I want because as good as Arlo is, if the power is out, if the internet is down, yeah. that's the moment I want surveillance the most. Any, any, any smart crook's going to jump at those points, right? <laughs> right? 
and how do I solve that problem? And when we tell them, Alo goes in. Absolutely, that's the one I want to buy to supplement my existing Alo system. So we know from our install base of Alo, the average number of cameras that each Alo user owns is about four. And yeah, for, I'm above average. Yeah. <laughs> so, so for them, they would buy at least one, if not two, of Alo Go to supplement it so that in the worst case scenario, they still have something to monitor the asset. Okay, then finally, baby. I wouldn't, again, never have predicted that you would be making baby monitor, but it's the perfect technology to take. It's got everything you would need, and you've thrown in some extra technology there, like sensors and things. Um, and it also opens up a much bigger market too, doesn't it? This is, uh, you know, there's going to be prospective or expecting mums and dads who are going to be searching the internet and shops for a product like this. They're going to be exposed to a new brand. That's a, is that part of the strategy, to bring people into the Arlo family um, at this point? Absolutely. We believe that. I mean, these days, we, we, we got a lot of requests from our install bay as well. <coughs> With the Allo camera technology, there are many areas that we can go into. And it's pretty clear to them that whatever is available on the market today for baby monitor is just not up to snuff. The resolution is too low. The latency is too high. The convenience factor is not there. They could not carry them easily along. So we address those three areas. We give them a display panel, yeah. all right, so that has zero latency, both from video and audio standpoint, and it doesn't depend on any Wi-Fi or internet. You could carry along, we give them battery operation so that they could carry along to their friend's house or, or the, their parent's house and all that. And uh, more importantly, we give them image analytics. So that would really significantly enhance the usefulness of the, uh, of the uh, monitor. Just finally, CES 2017, there is a lot here. Uh, cars, drones, TVs. If you, if you haven't seen the LG wallpaper TV, you have to have oh, a look. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Um, you mentioned artificial intelligence earlier, not just because you have a vested interest now, but do you think that's that's the big thing for 2017? It's going to really drive a lot of the innovation in 2017? Absolutely. I mean, from 2017 on for the next five years, artificial intelligence and machine learning is going to be big, it's going to be huge. The game has changed. I mean, so far up to now, it's all about feed and speed. It's all about resolution. It's all about latency. But going forward, it's all about intelligence. Patrick Lowe, thanks for your time. Thank you so much, Trevor. And not to be outdone, um, his colleague and Senior Vice President of Home Networking for Netgear, David Henry. David, good to chat with you, mate. Now, um, your thing is all networking, right? So I've, I've, I've chatted to Patrick about Arlo. I won't put you on the spot with Arlo, okay? No problem. Um, but let's talk through a couple of products I saw here today, which uh, one of which I've got at home, the other is well, I haven't seen before. First one, this little switch. Now, aside from the night uh, the night Rider lights that you can do on it, yeah. it's a pretty impressive uh, entry into a market like gaming where, you know, this is a high-end stuff. These gamers really have demands. We do a lot of research, and the good thing we know is we have a lot of Nighthawk customers on the router side who are gamers. So we decided to make it develop a gaming switch. It's very easy. We talked to our customers already. They're already gamers. So we talked to them and find out what do they need. And they say, I want no lag. I want quality of service. I want a nice look. 
and they want configurability that's very easy. So we created the Nighthawk Switch for just for the gamers. It's a beautiful little product, but it complements perfectly now the Nighthawk X10. Now, well, you've won a lot of awards here for that. Um, we'll get that very soon. What, what, just tell me the difference between the X10 and the previous generation. What, 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 are, we, what are we improving for people at home? It's a lot of improvements, to be honest, but I would say there's a few things. First, we put a really, really powerful processor in there, because that's the heart and soul of a Wi-Fi router, is the heart and soul, is the, is the, is the processor. Yeah. 1.4 gigahertz. You can so even look down into it and see the fan spinning. Oh, yeah. We put a fan, because look, if you got 1.4, you got to have a fan. Once we had the 1.4, we said, okay, what do you want to do with it? Right? It's not just a processor for processor's sake. We said, okay, let's, uh, let's put a Plex media server in there. So if you're a Plex user, and there's 10 million of them around the world, you can put all of your videos on a hard drive, all your music on a hard drive, all your pictures on a hard drive. No matter where you are in the world, you use the Plex app and you can actually access it, stream it, it'll transcode it on the fly and you get that video wherever you are. So that's one thing that's pretty cool. Yeah. We also put 11AD, which is the latest technology for near field, extremely high bandwidth uh, file transfer. So you're gonna start to see 11AD. You've also heard it called Y-Gig in the past. You're gonna start to see that on phones, on tablets, on, on, on laptops. We're the first ones with, with that on a high performance router. It's pretty important to be first on that because you don't want the devices to lead the networking improvements because yeah. you want people to have a network that is better than their devices for at least a little while, yes. right? You want people for the next two years to have a device that is going to outlive whatever devices they're carrying around with them. People will be a bit upset otherwise. And so you are always pretty much trying to be first with those things. Is that a strategy so that you you've, you maintain that market dominance and that market perception at the very least? No, I think you've made a great point. I've been in Netgear for just over 12 years and every product we've done that's been successful has been ahead of the market. Yeah. It's been ahead of the market. And you know, the network is an enabler. It's the infrastructure for what you do today and what you might do in the next two to three years. Because people want to buy a network that's going to grow with them. So if 11AD is here next year, we need it in the router this year. There'll be a new technology called 11AX coming. Um, we're going to be there first with that, even if the devices come you know, several months later. Because people want to make sure when they're buying a network, you know, it's not a $29 purchase anymore. Right? It's an investment. And you're investing not just in the network, but all the devices you have in your home and all those applications that rely on the network. So people want to have a future-proof, something that's prepared for all the stuff they might do. Which leads us to Orbi. Yes. Now, this is a game-changer because it's a new type of technology for people's homes. And it actually should be complicated to explain, but it's actually really easy because yeah. we don't need to nerd it up. We don't need to talk about mesh and all these things. Mm -hmm. We just need to say... There's a, there's a new device, and we've been doing some, some advertising. We talk about it as you keep your existing modem. That's a critical thing to say to people because when you say you've got to buy the whole kit over again, mm -hmm. and then it feels like there's got to be configuration. Right. This is plug and play. This is plug and play networking for an entire home. How, how revolutionary is that product to you in terms of home networking? It's a completely different way to look at the home network. In the past... We know people want whole home Wi-Fi. That's the, that's the nirvana, is whole home Wi-Fi. And we did it by putting really, really powerful Nighthawks in everyone's home. And it's worked very well. But the reality is, now people are subscribing to 100 megabits per second with NBN. And, and while we cover the home, what about that 100 meg you want outside? What about the 100 meg you want up in the, in the bedroom? What about the 100 meg you want in the basement, right? You want it everywhere. So we said, why not distribute the network? Just might, much like you might have in a small business or an office. Well, and this is the thing. People will be familiar with a big, if they work in a big office environment, why, why is it I can go from one end of a big building to the other and still be connected to the same network, not, not a range extender? Yeah. And you've basically brought that corporate technology into the home yep. with Orbi. 
but it's simple to connect, really easy to use, and it literally will create a whole new level of Wi-Fi in people's home. Well, how's the reaction been? We've obviously just yeah. got it in Australia, but it'll be pretty solid overseas. It's been tremendous. I mean, we've, we've, we're already seeing that people who want whole home Wi-Fi are gravitating towards Orbi, which is a Wi-Fi system. Uh, you mentioned something which is really important. Netgear was founded just over 20 years ago by Patrick, who you just talked to. And we took enterprise technology and we brought it down to the masses. And that, back then it was something that was switching and, and wiring and all that. Today, it's mesh Wi-Fi. We're bringing something that's only available in corporate environments. We're saying, no, no, we're going to bring that to you. We're going to bring it to you because guess what? Your needs are more and more demanding, much like an enterprise was five, 10 years ago. So that's our DNA. Take things that are expensive and hard to use, make them inexpensive and simple to use. Have you had a chance to look at anything else at CS, or have you been stuck here all the time? <laughs> Let's see. Um, I've been stuck in this in this suite most of the time. Beautiful I suite, did, of I course. Did, I did one walkthrough, um, and I saw people with with 3D goggles everywhere, <laughs> or, or, or VR goggles everywhere. That's all I saw. Yeah, it's not it's not a good look. Yeah, Let's be honest, yeah. it's not a good look. Not a good look. You need to get yourself a new LG TV. That's sensational. The um, there's some fun stuff out there, but really, this yeah. is the important point. And Patrick makes this point year after year. All that stuff. What's it enabled by? Yeah. You know, you got to have the network. You got to have the network. Yeah. Great to talk to you, man, again, mate, and uh, good luck with 2017. All right, happy New Year to you. Your tech life with Trevor Long. Well, that's uh, that's about it for this first portion of the CES program here, uh, live from CES, and we thank the Consumer uh, Technology Association uh, who put on CES for their support. They uh, they they give us great facilities here for EFTM and uh, and the Nine Network so that we can put on the extensive coverage that we do. We had a team of seven here. This year, we did three live crosses on the Today Show. We've done six podcasts. Um, I've done three or four radio shows and uh, countless radio crosses, and it's been awesome. Um, so we thank them for their support. We thank our sponsors, Alcatel and Garmin, and uh, also to the number of companies that, that supported the EFTM coverage of CES, uh, Intel, Hisense, Nissan, Netgear. Um, there's, a, there's many of them. Uh, they're all listed on the website. Uh, we appreciate their support. Alcatel, uh, 360 Fly... Uh, did I mention Intel, LG, Samsung, um, and especially Vodafone. Vodafone uh, supported us with uh, roaming. Uh, the whole team, we've been roaming on Vodafone's $5 a day roaming here in, in the USA, which means we've been fully connected to the internet, to social media, and, of course, to our loved ones back home. Um, when you're roaming, you should roam with Vodafone. It's as simple as that. doesn't come any better, and we thank them for their support. I'll be back with another episode, uh, episode 346B, with um, some very cool people to talk to and some more great gadgets here on Your Tech Life.